This morning's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 5. You can follow along in your Bible or in the bulletin. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you done with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to see Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. As we continue in our series, Mark in Reverse, we're focusing on chapters 8 through 1 which focus on telling us who Jesus is. And thus far, we have learned that Jesus is the suffering Messiah. Jesus didn't take up arms, but instead willingly went to the cross and died on our behalf so that we might have life. We saw in the feeding of the 4,000 that Jesus possesses a compassionate heart and hands that want to provide for our needs. Last week, we saw in Mark 7 that Jesus is the law restorer. He scrapes off man's traditions from the law. And Jesus is the cleanser of our hearts. Now, this morning, we're looking at the interaction between Jesus and a man with unclean spirit in Mark 5. And as we look at our text this morning, I want us to talk about two things that we learn about Jesus. The first is, Jesus sets us free from the bondage of evil. And then secondly, 
Jesus restores us to community. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful uh, this morning for the sunshine, for the cooler weather, and the hope of warmer weather on the way. And Lord, I pray this morning, in the midst of all the distractions around us, that you would give us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, that you would take your word, this ancient text, and that you would have your way with us. Make us more like you. Deepen our love for you and our intimacy with you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles. You can look in your bulletins or on your iPhones. And the first thing that I want us to consider is that Jesus sets us free from the bondage of evil. Now, last week we discussed that we are defiled not by external things, not outside in, but inside out. We're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, and therefore, when we're born, we're born with a heart that is self-centered, that is prone to wander away from God. Jesus says in Mark 7, 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, while that is true, we're defiled from inside out, evil still exists in our world. And it seeks to influence us and to enslave us. But the good news of our text this morning is that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to set us free from the bondage of evil. Now look at your text in chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Jesus and his disciples, they had traveled from the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. Now, it's interesting, this is the first time that Jesus is going to actually do ministry in a territory that is fully Gentile. Now, immediately after Jesus stepped out of the boat, Mark tells us, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, in Luke's parallel gospel, in chapter 8, 27, Luke describes this man as a man who had demons. And then later in this very passage in Mark, he describes this man as a demon-possessed man. But if we look at the Greek words that describe demon-possessed people, they never use the term possessed. It's just a simple Greek verb that basically means demonize. These are demonized people. This man was under the influence of demons. Now, before we talk about the effect that demons and evil have on us and on this man, I want to pause here for a moment. Because I know we live in the 21st century, in our Western mindset, we don't often think of the spiritual realm, we don't often think that evil exists through demons, It's one thing to look at, you know, movies like uh, Stranger Things, and they have the underworld where there's demonic forces, 
Or many of you probably have watched the Blair Witch Project or The Conjuring. These movies are movies about demonic forces. But it's another thing to say that evil exists in the form of demons in the 21st century. But as we look at God's word, we see that demons exist in our world. Tim Keller says, As a matter of fact, the biblical understanding of demons is part of the most complex, least simplistic, least naive, most multidimensional, most nuanced view of reality that exists. I can remember as a kid, my dad was in the Navy for four years back in the 50s, and he would tell us stories about his Navy and all the adventures and all the different ports that he went to and just the exciting things he got to see. And I also remember as a young kid, though at the time my dad wasn't very spiritual, he looked at me and my brothers and he said, guys, there are demonic forces that exist in our world. As I traveled the world, I saw them with my very eyes. The truth is, as in 2,000 years ago and today, evil exists and it exists in forms of demons. And in verse 8 and 9, Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. Now, legion is a military term that was very familiar in the ancient Near East and very familiar among the Romans. And it literally meant how many men were in a squadron. And normally in Rome, that was anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 men. Now, we read later in the story that there were 2,000 pigs that rushed into the sea. So it's fair to say that this man was under the influence of 2,000 demons. It's a lot of demons, yes. <laughs> so what is the effect? <clears throat> what is the effect of evil, demonic forces on this man, and what is the effect of evil and demonic forces on you and me today? I just want to talk about two effects. And the first is that evil strips us of our dignity as image bearers of God. We usually use the word inhumane to mean cruelty to animals, which is ironic because it really means becoming like an animal, losing your humanity, which is exactly what these evil supernatural forces are doing to this man. Look in verse 3. The man is isolated. Mark tells us instead of living in relationships with God and others, what is this man doing? He is living amongst the dead in tombs. When I was at UNC, I often wanted to get away, and it was hard when I was living on campus, but right behind Connor Dorm, there was a graveyard. And so what I would do if I wanted to get away is I'd just go sit on a bench in the graveyard during the day. Now, my friends, they knew that I was doing that. They didn't think much of it. But if I had pitched a tent in that graveyard and lived there all the time, they would have thought I was crazy. And they would have been right. 
This man didn't live among the living. He lived among the dead. He was isolated. When demonic forces come into our lives, they begin to dehumanize us. And then we see in verse 4, not only was he isolated, he continued to have an assault on his humanity. He possessed superhuman strength. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. This man was like the incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner. And he was, when the demons came over him, he was so strong he could break chains and shackles. And then in verse 5a, we see that he never sleeps. Those of you moms with newborn babies, you know that if you go without sleep day after day after day, you actually feel like you're not yourself anymore. You literally feel inhumane, right? Well, this man, night and day, he was awake among the tombs, and he was crying out. He was completely sleep-deprived. And then in verse 5b, We see the further attack on his humanity as he destroys his own flesh. He cut himself with stones. One of the marks of human nature and being an image bearer of God is the will to survive. We certainly are seeing this amongst the Ukrainians right now as they fight for their country and their freedom. So when a person mutilates their flesh... This goes against the fabric of who God created us to be. In some sense, it's it's the ultimate vandalizing the image of God. So one effect that the demonic have on us and others and this man is it takes away, it strips us of our humanity, our dignity as image bearers of God. A second effect evil has on us is it seeks to enslave us. Now, we'll talk about this more in our second point, but something that's easy to overlook in this story is that this man, he once was a normal man that lived at home with his family and friends. Evil is deceptive and alluring. It invites you to come and play with it. And then over time, it begins to enslave you. I had a student, when I was on staff with InterVarsity at ECU, he decided that he wanted a bow and constrictor. Snake. He never owned a snake before. And I thought, okay, this is great. I didn't even like going into his room because he had this snake and he'd have it wrapped around his arm and he was playing with it. I didn't want to touch it. And one day, he was playing with that snake, and that snake lunged at his face to bite him. And from that point on, that was bye-bye to the snake. He got rid of the snake. Evil is in the same way. It entices us. We play with it. We don't think much of it. But then, if we continue to give ourselves over to it, it will bite you. In the Faustian bargain... Faust, in the legend, traded his soul to the devil in exchange for knowledge. 
He gained knowledge, but he became a slave to the devil. Becky Pippert says it this way in Out of the Salt Shaker. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. But there's one thing that is certain. No one controls themselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. You have made a pact with somebody. You think you're in charge. You are not in charge. The man in the tomb was influenced by a legion of demons. He was once a normal person. And we're not told exactly the process of how these demons took hold of his life. But whatever bargain he made to gain, whatever it was he so desperately wanted, it began to take over his life and to influence him more and more and more to the point where he was eventually enslaved by it and destined to live a life in the tombs. A few years ago, I had a a client that came to me and he was talking about his love for poker. And he decided that, hey, you know, he needed a hobby. He was in his 40s. And so he took up poker. And there's online gambling. So he began to gamble online and, and poker. And he would play it in the afternoon and on his breaks and then in the evening. Well, then $30,000 later, he had burned through all their credit cards, all their debts. His wife looked at the bank statement and realized they were completely out of money. He loved gambling, and that gambling that he once enjoyed took over his life and destroyed his marriage. For this guy, it was gambling. For others, it might be gaming, food, alcohol, drugs, sex, work, success, and I could go on and on. Evil seeks to destroy our humanity, and evil seeks to enslave us. But the, the, the good news and the beautiful thing about this passage this morning is that we have a Savior who sets us free from the bondage of evil. Look at verses 6 through 8. The man, when he saw Jesus, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then in verse 10, And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. And then in verse 13. So Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down a steep bank into the sea, and drowned in the sea. 
The interesting thing about this interaction is Jesus didn't need to call on a higher power. Jesus is the high power. And Jesus, just by saying it, was able to send these demons that had tormented this man, that had dehumanized this man, that enslaved this man, to send them into these pigs, and then those pigs to rush down into the sea to destroy and defeat evil. He was liberated from the bondage of evil. And in verse 15, it says, And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Jesus had not only set this man free, he had defeated evil, sending the unclean spirits into the pigs. I wonder this morning, is there some besetting sin that is overwhelming you? Is there some sin in your life that you feel stuck and you don't feel like you can get out of it and be free? Are there good things in your life that you have made ultimate things that are now masters over you? Do you have friends or family members who are stuck and in desperate need of deliverance and help? The beauty of our passage this morning is that Jesus says he can set us free. Just as he liberated this man of the tombs, he can deliver you and me and your neighbors, your family, and your friends. Now, you might be wondering, I've tried everything. What can you do differently this morning? And Tim Keller, he says it well. He says at the end of the book of Mark, we're going to see Jesus and this man exchanging places. Jesus is naked, stripped even of his clothes. Jesus is crying out and bleeding. Jesus is driven into the tombs. The tomb. That is how Jesus dealt with evil. Jesus absorbed evil and injustice and sin and death into himself. He died on a cross to pay for our sins so that someday he could wipe out evil without wiping us out. Do you want to know the secret of how we can get unstuck? The secret of how we can allow Jesus to transform us? The secret is... That we need to see the infinite cost that Jesus paid. And as we see the infinite cost that he paid in order to defeat evil, that will defeat evil in your life. 